Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Electrical Supply Guy Studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, and you can hear us on all podcast platforms. Also on the TuneIn app on the Believe TuneIn Radio, and as well as Buzz 2106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review all of our podcasts. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas. Alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fighting and Saturday Down South. And we're presented by Arkansas Brewing Company and Bet Online. And where you can find all your betting aspects and bet online where the game begins. Um, no football for Arkansas this past week. We got to catch up on some other games. Look at Auburn. They had a bye week as also coming into the game next Saturday. So uh, I guess with both teams, Jacob, coming off a bye in the same week, there's really no advantage either team has. Um, you know, Arkansas coming off that win going into the bye week, uh, much needed, um, much needed win against Auburn. I mean, not much luck against them. So, uh, you know what happened with, with the, the fumble that was not a fumble. And I'm sure that still resonates with Arkansas and last year, Bo Nix, of course, having the, the game of his life or game of his career against Arkansas. So, uh, getting back on the winning track to really get them a better bowl game, get them, uh, back to, you know, on the winning track in the SEC. So uh, what, what did you get to do over the weekend on your bye weekend? And uh, what, what's looking forward to this Auburn week? Yeah, man. So we went to the pumpkin patch at Family Farm in Malvern, had a good time and took a lot of pictures. Let Sophie do uh, her first thing by herself. She rode a train. She's a one-year-old, just turned one two weeks ago. And she rode, uh, it wasn't really a train, but she got to ride on a, uh, uh, it was a John Deere riding lawnmower and it had like a bunch of benches attached to it and chained Sophie in there pretty good and uh <laughs> we were freaking out as parents oh yeah around the around the pond and then and the first time she sees us she's over there like hey hey like so <laughs> you're, you're thinking okay so it's, yeah. not, it's not a too bad of a deal so I wasn't now now from now on I'm thinking maybe she is all right maybe she can be a little bit independent now uh, than what she was, which is really cool. Well, that's that's yeah. what happens with the first child. You always freak out yeah. a little bit more, you know, and going oh, yeah. through and oh, letting yeah. them grow up. But yeah, that that's oh, yeah. always the the best thing about being a parent and watching your child grow up in the where she's at now. I'm telling you, just from experience, this is where you're going to learn something new every day. Between one and two, they're going to just start doing oh, yeah. new things every day. That's going to really really amaze you. Oh, yeah. So we watched a little bit of football this weekend. Uh, Man, I tweeted out uh, last night, uh, Mississippi State had not scored an offensive touchdown in Tuscaloosa. uh, And it almost didn't happen. They they almost were shut out again in Tuscaloosa offensively. And and I got a kick out of that. Got a kick out of Jimbo Fisher squandering another game uh, against a – intra-league school. Uh, Man, South Carolina – they're looking a lot better there. I think them in Oregon, like you, you would think that the way Georgia just handled them, they would go on and just spiral out of control. And both teams are undefeated since their losses against uh, Georgia earlier this season. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, Saturday, interesting week coming forward. 
especially for Arkansas. Can they pick up the uh, all-elusive victory this weekend against Auburn, a, a team that you haven't beaten six consecutive seasons? You currently trail them in the series overall 19-11, to 11, and you're getting beat by an average of 29 points over the last six games. So this could be the opportunity that Arkansas has to go on the road, pick up a win, in in league play and continue on throughout the season, building your resume in hopes of getting a New Year's Day bowl. Yeah, and and we go back to that Mississippi State game. I mean, we kind of knew the way that uh, the Alabama-Tennessee game ended. Um, If you look, and and that that kick was blocked. You know, Bama got a piece of it, and it still went through, and everybody was like, Alabama's not going to lose two in a row. And I'll tell you what, for the people that come out and say that Saban's done and they're losing their grip, and I've fed into that, I've been caught up in it myself, but you you know good and well that Saban's not going to lose two in a row. I don't know when the last time they have. Um, have, You'd have to go back a ways where they've lost two games in a row. But, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, what the best Mississippi State team can offer, but when you're going into Tuscaloosa – and that defense, it's a lot different when you're playing a real defense opposed to, you know, defense that's struggling and the secondary issues that Arkansas has. But um, then South Carolina, how they've, exp- you know, as I was talking to a guy from South Carolina, you, you kind of think that South Carolina wishes they'd be playing Arkansas right now instead of earlier in the season because in Arkansas side, thankful that they played them early in the season. Oh, because yeah. I'm telling you right Absolutely. now, it, it might be a different outcome if Arkansas and South Carolina play right now. And it, as bad as I even want to even say that, it, it's true. Just how well they're playing. And listen, that just shows you what happens when you get that momentum. When, when a team gets that momentum and that belief and you start playing for your coach and your state and your school, anything can happen. And they, and I will say, though, too, I mean, the game over Texas a was good. That was the first time they've ever beat Texas a in program history. I mean, that just shows you where they've come. But they've also got the back end of their schedule, kind of like Arkansas's, is where it's a little bit. And LSU is another team that you're looking at, like what we two weeks ago thought that this was going to be a back end, easier part of the schedule. It's kind of looking different now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. LSU, man. How about that? I don't understand how you don't put LSU in front of Ole Miss, and those rankings are at least maybe 13, 14, or 15, 16, because, man, LSU just opened up a can on them. That Jaden Daniels guy, he saw it. I tweeted that out and uh, early in that game, and people gave me flack. But that guy, he is a gamer. He may not be the best quarterback that you have out there, but Brian Kelly's doing a heck of a job at LSU uh, getting guys in the right spot. It didn't get off to a good start early. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think uh, – I thought Brian Kelly might have been in over his head week one and when they lost to Florida State. But they have rebounded, and they look really, really dangerous. The defense is starting to go to the ball. I mean, they're attacking the deep, or attacking defense. Then you got Joe Fouché and, and Greg Brooks, that former Razorbacks out there making plays. That one hand interception by Joe Fouché was just beautiful. Um, man, that that LSU game in Fayetteville is going to be a interesting-looking game especially with how Arkansas struggles to stop the run at times. And the way Jaden Daniels made Mississippi look really like – I mean, he was running through them like 
like Swiss cheese out there, man. I mean, there was holes through through that whole defense uh, for Jaden to run through. He had five touchdowns. So, yeah, Arkansas, man, they may have their hands full. I know KJ's licking his chops when the Ole Miss comes to Fayetteville because Ole Miss is not physical. They they showed us that, yeah, they had a weak schedule, and, yeah, they were 7-0, but it was a week 7-0 going into that game. So, yeah, Arkansas's got a lot uh, on that back end of the schedule. And you're just hoping now, man, if they can just come out 6-6, six and six, we'll be all right. Yeah, because you look at Liberty. <laughs> I mean, taking care of BYU the way they do. I mean, that's another game. And Devin says Liberty and LSU are the toughest games left. I mean, I would say yeah. other than the Auburn game and the Missouri game, when, I mean, because Missouri kind of showed their cards in, in, in escaping by Vandy. You know, they looked like they were a team that was trying to turn things around and, and get some of them going. But, you know, it, it just – Boy, but Liberty's going to be coming in here in a couple of weeks, and uh, you see the resemblance of what happened with Missouri State, and you're like, oh, man, you know, it's not going to be that easy of a game. Yeah, and Liberty's on their fourth-string quarterback, too, which is crazy to think that Hugh Free is putting up those kind of numbers with a quarterback that he didn't ever intend to start the season. He had Charlie Brewer and Hurt in the first game, that former Baylor transfer up there at Liberty. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, Liberty's going to be able to put up points. I think it's going to be another uh, Arkansas-BYU type of offensive track meet, at least through three quarters. Arkansas's got the size, though, and I think the most important thing this week, Porter, is Arkansas was able to get help. Yeah. We already know that we already know that Bumper wasn't healthy. Maybe Drew wasn't playing at 100%. You've got a bunch of secondary guys coming back this week. If you get healthy and you start getting that momentum, you go down there to Auburn uh, and you take care of business, it, things kind of change. Your momentum swings back to you. And these guys haven't quit on Sam Pittman. They showed that last week against BYU, uh, especially with the way they finished that game uh, where they didn't allow a point in the de- uh, on defense in the second half and only had like – or not, I mean, not second half, the fourth quarter and allowed only like 54 yards of offense. Like. I know it's a, a small sample size, but you're, you're hopeful that if you can stop the run game against Auburn, you're going to be able to stay in this game and maybe can control uh, the line of scrimmage because you're going to have to stop Tank Bigsby. You're going to have to stop uh, Auburn's quarterback. Uh, his name is uh, slipping out of Ashford or something like that, Robbie Ashford. Uh, he's really he's a quick cat too, so – if you can stop the run game against Auburn, you're you're going to have a chance to be successful and win that game. Yeah, and you, and you got to because the thing is, is you're going into these ballots offenses Auburn coming up. You know, last last week or last time out they had against Ole Miss, Robbie Ashford had 140 yards passing, two interceptions. Bigsby had 179 yards on 20 carries. So you you look at what's going on with these teams; they are playing. And Liberty the same way. So, you know, when you look at the score and you're like, okay, that looks alarming. But both of these games, Liberty's win over BYU, they took advantage of the running game. Day Day Hunter had 213 yards on 23 carries but only had a one touchdown. And Bennett had 247. So these two games coming up is going to really test this defense because of how balanced they are. And we know – you know, Big Tank Bigsby is is the bread and butter of the Auburn's team. So, both of these offenses coming up, basically, if you make them one-dimensional, and that goes to any game. You know, anytime that Arkansas can make a team one-dimensional, 
they have a very good chance of winning. But you go back to the Mississippi State game, and you let the guy go run in for a long, you know, get as many rushing yards as they do with, you know, Will Rogers in the passing. It's hard to stop both. So you got to make them one-dimensional, really key on the, the running attack of Auburn. And, can, and I don't say you can stop him, but you can contain him to, you know, maybe hold him under 150 yards in a, in a touchdown. So yeah. that's what we're really looking forward to when – and, of course, you know, what we haven't heard much of is – and I think it's just the style of offensive you've played is when you're trying to drop – you know, rush three, drop eight. But I think this is where we need to see Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders get back on track. We need to hear their names more in the, in the, in the tackle column, you know, and hear their names more because you really hadn't heard much of them the past two weeks. No, you're, you're, you haven't been. Uh, you really have to hear Chris Paul's name. Uh, he's a number 27. He's a stout creature. I mean, I've not seen a linebacker as physical looking as him in, in a long time. Uh, maybe, maybe since 2014, 2015, with, uh, especially with like Martial Spain, who had a tremendous uh, last season as a hog. I mean, he, he looked good. Chris Paul, I think if you can maybe pull out Drew – Rotate Drew and Bumper out. Have Chris Paul, Pooh Paul out there, uh, and give them as many breaks as possible. I think you're going to have a chance there to really, really do some things in the four-two look. Because uh, you're going to have to stop the run game. I think you're going to you're going to have everybody healthy. I mean, Cam Ball really emerged last week against BYU, a guy that can really stop the run. Um, and then you have your pass rush to uh, trying to control the gap, stay in your lane. And hopefully, you float the ball runner uh, into uh, the ball carrier into your hands, kind of kind of dictate where he goes, kind of like the old Rob Smith defense uh, with the Bermuda Triangle with uh, Darius Milan, Trey Flowers, and Marshall Spate. They kind of they knew what was going on before the snaps, and they adjusted and made the flow of the play go to that defensive side. And that's what I want to see a little bit more out of Barry Odom because you know they're going to run heavy at Auburn. And so maybe trying to dictate what Auburn does each play and, and direct them to the linebacker and, and or either Bumper or Drew on each side, see if you can stop them there. Yeah, you know, because the past two games, you know, they've only averaged, you know, three tackles each uh, game. So yeah. really getting your, you know, because that's your captains and you know they're a run heavy game. So it's going to be, what what is you talk about Barry Odom? What does he do now? Kind of getting back when into the running game is, you know, not the the blitzing and the blitz packages and the blitz schemes and the coverage. You know, how do you really bring your safeties up? Getting into the run coverage and make them pass, make them beat you deep, and so that's going to be the biggest key when it comes to you know when we look at the key matchups of the game. It's going to be Arkansas's linebackers versus the running game, and see. Honestly, and then on the other side of it, how is Arkansas going to their run game going to go up against Auburn's defense and see how you know well Auburn can stop the run? Yeah, and Auburn allowed three one hundred yard rushers the week before last against Ole Miss. Don't don't forget about that. I yeah. mean, they had uh, Jackson Dart uh, and their two running backs rushed for like over almost four hundred yards a couple of weeks ago in that game. So. Arkansas, they have they have Rocket Sanders unleash the guy, you, and I love what they did. And I know we mentioned it in the last podcast. I love what they were doing with the AJ Green and and Shad Devinny and getting those guys out in space. 
not just trying to run between the tackles, but spread out the Auburn defense. And and the way uh, get the speed out there and get a little shake and bake, man. I think uh, Arkansas has got a chance there on the outsides to make a difference and have Rocket Sanders maybe kind of kind of you know do what he does, get his. If you can, if if Rocket Rocket's always going to get his, but if you can get AJ Green and Devinian in the game and do their thing, you're going to have success on the offensive side. And plus, maybe get Dominique Johnson continue to get him in there, give him a couple of carries maybe in goal line situations or third and short situations and try to get him in there, get his confidence up. And I think Arkansas is going to have a good chance. I mean, and keep KJ healthy too. Don't let him <laughs> run the ball too much uh, and, and, or do too much of anything outside the pocket. Yeah. When you look at, you know, Auburn's last three games, I mean, you see that, I mean, LSU even had 185 yards rushing on them, but then you go to, <laughs> The next game against Georgia, they had 292 yards rushing against Auburn. So you're really going to treat this almost like the BYU game, and and you're going to right. really have to impose your will. Get and and you're looking at the last game with uh, Ole Miss, and you know that they had four guys that went over 100 yards, and you're like, man, we got KJ, we got Rocket Sanders, we got Dominion. I mean, you got Green, you got all these guys that now also. You've got the guys that can come out of the backfield and catch. So when you know as a defense you're struggling on the run game, you know that Arkansas is a run-first offense, this is where those those screen plays, this is where those, you know, the wheel routes can come in and, and really the slants. When you've got your linebackers cheating up on the run, this could be another huge game for Trey Knox, you know, coming out of the tight end position. So – I think this is going to be this could be a big game for Arkansas where it really opens up their offense because you look at just how much Auburn is struggling and but then again this could turn into a shootout. This could turn into yeah. which which defense is going to bend not break and who's going to score, you know, I mean I know it comes down to uh whoever has the most points but I mean it could turn into an offensive shootout. Well the way this season is gone for Brian Harson and at Auburn, but you got to think about it. A lame duck coach, because I mean, outside of, I mean, outside of the Auburn brass, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen to Brian Horson after the season. He could stay. I mean, but it's usually it, historically when you don't have an athletic director, you don't have a head coach. <laughs> and, yeah. and right now, Brian Horson's on borrowed time because you don't, you hardly ever see a coach last at the end of the season without an athletic director in uh, there. So. So, are they going to be playing for Harson? Uh, what is the mindset of, of this Auburn team? Nobody knows. And I think once, if Arkansas goes out there and punches them in the mouth a couple of times, how are they going to respond there on the Auburn defense? Yeah, and they're sitting at three and four right now. So, you know, after this, you, the Arkansas, the, then you've got, they got Mississippi State, Texas A&M, uh, Western Kentucky before the, the Iron Bowl. So, I mean, you come out of this game against Arkansas and you drop down to three and five. You lose against Mississippi State, you're three and six, possibly three and seven after the. I mean, they could lose three in a row, depending on how this. So, this is when we talk about pivotal games, this is just as pivotal to Arkansas as it is Auburn. You know, I think it's going to be more for Auburn because the coaching talk that we speak of. This could be the game that could just spiral everything downhill. And even if they were to beat Alabama, it's not enough to save his job. You know, you can't tell me that 
they be three and seven or four and seven if they beat Western Kentucky going into the Iron Bowl. And if they do beat Alabama, if, because we've seen crazy things happen in that game, I don't think that's going to be enough to save his job. So, no, he could have beat him. He could have beat him, beat him last year. Yeah. I don't think it would have saved his job. That's just, that's just the honest goodness truth is, you know, he, they do, it was not a match made in heaven by any, any point. Uh, Brian Harson's been, I don't think he's been in over his head. I just think it's been an unhealthy relationship from the get go. Yeah. It's not, I mean, we've heard about it for two seasons now. I mean, he just not, he did not fit the culture. And if, if, if Auburn gets their way, they got that Yellowwood money, man. They're, they're going to find them a coach. <laughs> they're going to find them a coach. Well, there's and, been a lot uh, of bad things. Well. They don't know how to handle the money, though. There, there's been a lot of stories. Yeah. Look at all the money they got in buyouts and trying to find the newest. And it's You can tell they have the little brother syndrome because it's almost like we want to be where Bama is. Let's try to get the newest, hottest thing to, tr- to try to catch up when you know that's never going to be a possibility. There's no school out there that's ever going to match with Alabama. And I understand the position Auburn's in because you're that's your biggest rival. You know, that's your in-state. Yeah. That's who you look up to that you want to be as a football program. And you have to live with that 365 days out of the year. Um, but it's just the track record ever since Gus left has just been one of them things. It's almost like an Arkansas situation that you, the, they had a good thing going with him, but he just kind of ran out of time there. Um, and I'm telling you what, that this is what I've always thought, and I'm glad that he did beat Alabama when he did because I think that if Gus didn't beat Alabama the year he did, he was going to be the head coach of the University of Arkansas. I think it was in writing. I think it was it was almost a done deal. He beats Alabama, and then – Auburn counters. That, that's just my opinion on it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably disagree with me, but I just think that him beating Alabama got us to the point where Arkansas is now when we got Sam Pittman. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, the whole thing with that, that was a messy ordeal because you you cannot sit there and wait on a coach to go out there. Because we saw how it, how it ended with uh, – we thought we were getting Chris Beard when, uh, at Texas Tech. We were waiting and waiting and waiting on him to lose at Texas Tech before they made yep. it to the national championship game and he ended up staying at Texas Tech. Honestly, you get Eric Musselman and and you're thinking, huh, Chris Beard, who? Like, yep. I, you cannot sit there and sit there and wait for a coach to lose a championship game because I mean, obviously, it's so funny because Arkansas and Auburn kind of have had a same kind of coaching uh, dysfunction there for a while. I mean, they didn't want Gus and they did. They didn't want Gus, and they did. And Gus was probably the only guy that was going to keep Auburn going for a while. They uh, they weren't down by any means. They were six and freaking four the year they fired him. And so, so I I, I thought that was a kind of a premature firing. I think uh, you should never fire Gus. But man, I wish I, I go back thinking now, like maybe Arkansas was a was blessed without having to hire Gus Malzahn. Because Gus had the benefit of recruiting the state of Atlanta, the state of Florida, Alabama. He had such a uh, fruitful territory when it came to recruiting that offensive philosophy wasn't hampered down by the guys that he was able to get. He wasn't going to come into the University of Arkansas and be able to have the success at the university because 
Arkansas does not produce the amount of talent. And I, mean, I know that – I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but Arkansas does not – they only produce like maybe five to six FBS, SEC-level caliber players every single year. I don't think Gus would – I think Arkansas would be in the same place they, they're at with uh, Sam Pittman right now. And you're paying – you'd be paying a lot more money for Gus Malzahn than you would be for Sam Pittman. Yeah, I mean, because – they already had it. Was it forty? Was it forty nine million? They had. There was talks of of him it was getting. A lot of, it was like seven. Yeah, it was like seven point five million dollars a year for seven yeah. years. You're right. So that's the figures we heard. And I think he would have turned out almost like a, a, a Mike Anderson deal. I think he would have been a seven and five coach, a six and six coach, or maybe maybe got an eight, eight and five, eight and four season. You know, one of them kind of deals of just he might have had one hot year and then kind of slowly. Went back down, but I don't. I don't think he would have got to the point because the thing is, what Sam Pittman and bringing in the coordinators. I don't know what coordinators would have Gus had brought in. I mean, that that's the thing that you don't know when it comes to hiring a coach. Is we always talk about the head coach, but you got to look at who, what, what would he, who would he brought in? Like who would have been his assistants and his coordinators? And right. you look at what Sam Pittman's done and his coordinators, and as much as flack as they get. Like we said last week, you know, there wasn't really too many people talking about what they did when they opened up the offense. So hopefully, like I said, this is going to be another monkey they can get off their back. They can really get back into the grind. I think the BYU game is going to be more important of a win than we can realize. And I think when it comes down to the end of the year, we're going to look back that BYU win just like the UAPB, (laughs) as crazy as that is to even say. I mean, getting a win before a bye week and getting them guys healthy and getting, you know, and not just getting them healthy, but they don't have a game to worry about. You know, they can really focus on getting healthy. You know, they're not trying to get them back just so they can get them healthy for the upcoming game. they got a week off to really get to 100% or as close as you could get to 100% at this point. And, and Sam Pittman alluded to that to all the players that were – not healthy and banged up. So there's a lot of guys that are out there that he hasn't even mentioned by name that we could see a totally different team come Saturday against Auburn because the fact that who is banged up that we're not even, we don't even know about. We know the secondary is all banged up because they were starting or they were trying to get guys in practice. Uh, they were freshman wide receivers coming in. So, man, you get – Hopefully you get Corey Johnson and Jaden Johnson and Miles Slusher and all those guys back. And maybe the defense, the complexion of the defense changes because you're not going to have to worry about having guys get beat defensively over and over and over again. You're going to be able to finally have a, finally have your starters back and maybe a sense of normalcy and not giving up so many yards through the air. Yeah. And <clears throat> before we hit the break too, um, just one, one last thing before we go to break, we're, we're going to cover the basketball. It's just coming into this again at Auburn, this getting a road win I think is going to really benefit their confidence. I think that's, that, that's the biggest thing coming into the game is getting your health, you know, your yeah. physical health. I think coming in and getting this win on the road is going to be a mental boost and that confidence of knowing – you know, we went to BYU, got the win there, week off. Now we're going up against, and that's the thing people's been saying, well, that's not a – it was always an excuse. It's always, 
Yeah. Somebody wanting to downplay it. Well, well, that was BYU. Now you're going to be playing an SEC team. You're going to be playing an SEC defense again. So I think it's like as much as people want to discredit the win, this is going to be very important for them to go into the Plains, into Jordan-Hare, and get this win. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people uh, before the season that said, man, that BYU game scares me. Yep. No, I mean, that to, to, to go to your point there, you uh, you can't go and say, oh, that game scares me before the season, and then you get in there, and now you're seeing, oh, they're just four and three coming in. Now they're four and four and, and fighting for their bowl eligibility lives after getting blown out for, by Liberty. So, I mean, there there's always ways that teams respond. I mean, there's some teams that can be uber talented and then go eight and four. Like, yeah. you see it all the time. Like, it all comes down to coaching. And I think Arkansas has got the coaching. I think they're going to be – they had their momentum back, and, and I think they're going to be able to go down to Auburn and pick up a victory and and kind of shush the doubters. Yeah. And, well, like I said, we're going to touch more on that Wednesday on our weekly preview show. We're going to have an Auburn beat writer come on, and we'll announce that in the upcoming days. But we're going to head to a commercial break. After the break, we're going to break down basketball. We'll start their unofficial – unofficial start – exhibition um, tomorrow night. We'll break down that after the break. Do you need those pesky stumps ground before the winter? Your pasture brush hogged or need your driveway bladed? Here at Granite Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated, so call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. Camelot Exteriors specializes in identifying hail, wind, and other storm damage as well as residential and commercial roof installations and re-roofing. We use the only the highest quality materials from certified suppliers while putting a lifetime labor warranty on all of our roofs. Our mission is to provide our customers with the highest quality roofing project customized to fit each one of their needs and to provide exceptional service through the entire process. Camelot Exteriors is based in Norman, Oklahoma, but we proudly currently serve nine other states as a premier nationwide roofing company. So call us today at 833-799-7663 for your free estimate. Camelot Exteriors, your storm damage restoration experts. 
Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. If you want the best service and prices in Northwest Arkansas and Southwest Missouri for all your plumbing and electrical needs, then look no further than Corey Hyman, the plumbing electrical supply guy. Corey's in full steam ahead and providing the best electrical, plumbing, and septic supply service around. So call Corey at 479-301-8220 or email him at chindman, that's H-I-N-D-M-A-N, at andersonp.com. Again, that is 479-301-8220. And welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. Jacob, I mean, I'll tell you what, um, for one of the most anticipated uh, basketball seasons to date, uh, we haven't really spent much time talking about them because right in the middle of uh, football season. But um, And it's crazy how fast this year has flown by, but it's it's here. I mean, tomorrow night against Rogers State, Arkansas men's basketball kicks off there. I guess you could say the next two is exhibition. So they got Rogers State and then Texas um, down in uh, Austin. So uh, very excited to see what this team does. And there's a lot of hype. I don't think that um, when it comes to the basketball, it's, it, it's almost like it's been building up. So what, what do you think the difference is – as someone who's been a fan all their life, what do you think the difference is between this buildup of, of Eric Musselman and what he's done with this team opposed to this is just a, not a flash in the pan, but the, say the team hadn't had that much success and then they get this recruiting class? Yeah. So you think about it going back then. I'll, I'll kind of, I'm going to swing this a different way. Back in the day, in the 90s, 80s, and the 70s, it was barbershop, coffee shop, talk at your local diner, talk about how good this team is going to be. We're going to talk about Moncrief, Ron Brewer, and and then we're going to talk about the Todd Days and, and Big O's of the world. And now with social media, like we saw it with the football program and how people were pumped up. Like this is going to be the year things come together for Arkansas. You've got all these transfers in football. And now, I mean, that that to me is kind of how this is going. This is uh, becoming because Arkansas they've got you, you've been leading up to this, and this is the expectation that Musselman set for himself, especially in year one because he had he played six freaking guys that season with the with the leader Mason Jones, and then when Isaiah Joe went down, all you all the only offensive player you had to depend on that was consistent was Mason. And, and you continue to build. You sign your first uh, McDonald's under All-American under Musselman and Moses Moody, and you get all those guys, and you were hot. You were thinking, okay, this team's going to be special, then COVID hits. Uh, and then Isaiah Joe backs out and goes to the draft again. And you're thinking, okay, this team's still going to be good. Now it's just building up with, the, with how crazy Arkansas Twitter is. Like people are just at the – hoping this team is going to be the one because you've got three potential lottery picks on this team, on this roster, 
and then you got you cherry pick the best players from several different schools, and then you bolster from where you had just Jalen Williams, who was your defensive stalwart down low, and then you bring in four guys that could play really uh, key minutes down low in, in the post. Arkansas's got a complete team this season, Porter, and I'm really excited to see what they can do with Nick Smith running this offense because we know we know that Anthony Black's going to be the uh, the point guard and he's going to get his with assist wise, steal wise, and, and be a difference maker. But Nick Smith, man, he could be potentially be the best player to ever come out of the University of Arkansas and be the first Razorback ever drafted number one. He's that good. Like, there's no – I mean, you think about it. You think about the guys like Corliss Williamson and, and uh, how great he was coming out of high school. Like, Nick Smith is just as good at the guard position. And I think that the way Eric Musselman and his basketball team markets it on social media, now you got to back it up. Yeah, that, that's definitely – I mean, you when, back it up. when you're the national freshman of the year, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, hype that it's comes impressive. in – there's a lot of hype that goes into this, and this is a school that's never experienced this. So there's nothing that, you know, Musselman's ever done. So this is new for the team, and this is where it's going to get interesting is there's there's nobody to help coach like, hey, man, how do we handle this? How do we handle this hype? How do you handle the freshman of the year coming in? How do you handle all the SEC accolades? How – do you handle the expectations of you better be undefeated by the time conference season rolls around? I mean, there's going to be all – I mean, this is a thing like, you know, they got Texas, which is going to be an exhibition game, and then they um, – you've got North Dakota State, Fordham, South Dakota State, and then you got the Maui Invitational. you got Louisville, Texas Tech, and Creighton. I mean, those are going to be some tough games. So when you come out of that by – Let's say by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, I mean, what's going to be the expectations of this team, where their record's going to be at, where they should be, and what happens if they're not? I mean, what happens? That's what's really going to make this team, where we're going to show their growth is, ah, yeah, if you come out of this 14-0 and or whatever, you start the season 14-0. and Okay, that's where we expected you. That's the height. That's where you should be. But what's going to happen is when this team faces that adversity, when they drop that two-game losing streak or lose that game that they shouldn't have lost, and, you know, then the questions and having to answer the questions and or Nick Smith Jr. comes into his first couple of games and, and, and doesn't score the points that you think he should score, that's what's going to make this team grow. And if this yeah. team goes undefeated, hey, that's cool. But that's what you're going to see out of this team is – Let's see what happens after they hit that first two-game losing streak, if that happens, and that's where you're going to see where this team grows. Yeah, and you think about the tenure under, under muscle, and you, he overachieved with the Mason Jones roster his first year. He, he did what we thought he would do with the limitations of COVID uh, his second season when Moses Moody and – and uh, and so all the other guys there, and then he overachieved last year. Believe it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, he overachieved with that roster. Because yeah, you had Jalen Williams out there who got drafted, but you had JD Note carrying that offense last year, and you had guys that Trey Wade like waited like twenty five games for him, 
and then come NCAA tournament time, you have Devo there, Trey Wade there. He gets the most out of the guys whenever whenever uh, it's time to, to get the uh, hit the rubber reach the road. You know, they lost against Western Kentucky in year one. They That was an unexpected loss. Uh, they they had like where they what they get blown out by Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama in year two, and you're thinking, man, this team maybe they're not as good. And then last year they they lost a freaking Hofstra, yeah. And and you're thinking, man, this team's not going to do anything. They're not even going to make the NCAA tournament. Lo and behold, they were in the Elite Eight, and the SEC wasn't even talking about them on their own network. So now this year those expectations because everybody like you said everybody's looking at you like yeah you're you're expected maybe to go undefeated through non-conference play and what's going to happen is if you do lose those couple of games where's your team's mind going to be at too because you know with the high expectations comes uh from from fans and and people in the in the national media where's your head at like are is this team going to be able to to uh, respond the way that his other three teams have. So do you think this is a Sweet 16 or bust year or even Elite Eight? Or I mean, would you even go that far as saying this is an Elite Eight or bust type team? I think it's a Sweet 16 or bust. Just because you look at the preseason rankings and you're bringing in the three freshmen and you're bringing in all these new transfers to, I think they at least get to the Sweet 16. Now, do they advance past that? I don't know. But I think that this is the best uh, the best look of right now, not looking forward in the future because the recruiting is still hot. But this is a team that Musselman is going to have the best chance to win a title at with the, with the Hawks. I mean, just right now, living in the moment, I think that this is the team that if you're going to do it, do it now. Well, yeah, because you don't know how many people on this team is going to leave, go to the NBA. So, yes, you're looking yeah. at this team – yeah, this this is going to be, and that's where I think, if you want me to be frank about it, I, I think this is going to be an Elite Eight or Final Four bus type team to me yeah. because you look at what he's done the past two years and what you said about last year's roster. What you have with this year's roster and going into this season, it, it's going to be hard for me to sit there and say that, if okay, I'll, if they don't make it to the Elite Eight, I should say. Final four is great. But I think if this team gets bounced in the second round or in the Sweet 16, I just think it's going to be a, a deal that it's going to be a um, a disappointment. Because just yeah. with the hype, if there wasn't that much hype around this team or the talent, I mean, you look at this roster. I mean, top to bottom, Black, Council, Brazil, Nick Smith Jr., Devontae, Graham, Pinion, Barry Dunning, Jordan Walsh, the Mitchell Twins, Kamani Johnson, I mean, Darian Ford. I mean, all these guys, you're looking at this roster 10 deep. And that's what's scary about this team is he could legitimately put two groups of five out there and have a lot of success. And I think what really has stumped them in the last two years is they got out physical. You know, yeah. they got out physical by Duke last year and they got out physical by Baylor the year before. I think that's what's going to get them over the top when we're talking about Elite Eight or Bust is the fact that they're going to have guys that are ready to bang. They're going to have your guards 
Nick Smith Jr. is not going to be afraid to go in there and yank on someone. You know, nope. Black, we've seen him. I mean, this kid, freshman 6'7", he's going to go in there and poke on people. I mean, that's just what – these kids are not scared. And I'm not saying that anybody last year was scared. I'm not taking away from any of the previous rosters. But you've got multiple guys, and what I'm getting at with these guards – and when it goes to the other players is you're not going to have to rely on just two or three people to get the boards. You're not going to have to rely on two or three guys to get out there and bang underneath. You've got four or five guys that can go in there and with your you got a guard at 6-7 and Anthony Black that's going to be able to go in there. And and you got another guard, Barry Dunning Jr., 6-6, Jordan Walsh, 6-7. I mean, you have some huge guards that are some of the big, you know, Kamani Johnson's a 40, 6-7. You've got a two guards that are just as big as he is. So, I mean, that's what's yeah. going to be the big difference when it comes to this team is you've got size from the one to the five, or if you can even consider anybody a five anymore, say so one to four. But, I mean, it's going to be a very exciting team to watch. Right, and, and you think about it, like here in the past, you've had to depend on guys that were smaller. Like the number one overall pick in the NBA draft this year was Banchero. The guy was seven foot one. Arkansas didn't have a res- – uh, a response for that guy last year in the uh, Elite Eight. Like, he was just going up and getting his as, as much as he wanted to. Um, now you've got the Mitchell Twins. You've got uh, Jalen Graham. And you've got uh, – I know I'm missing one more post player, Trevin Brazil. Yep. Those guys are like 6'9 plus type of guys that can go up there and rebound. And and, and if you have if you don't have the size, Arkansas is going to overwhelm you with size. That's something Arkansas hasn't ever really had. I don't know, even back in the uh, Nolan Richardson days, Arkansas didn't have big, big guys at all. Uh, I don't know of any other guys that have really been seven-footers beside uh, Stephen Hill in the past uh, 20 years since uh, since the Nolan Richardson days. Like, Arkansas's not had this much size at all the positions ever. And and that's what's really impressive. Maybe Jalen Tate and Moses Moody's year. I know they were two pretty big guards, but – uh, Arkansas has not had this much size on a team up and down ever. If I in my lifetime, yeah. And well, and that's the thing you bring up. Chuck brings it up, and and he says this team reminds me of the Nolan teams where we substitute five at a time without losing anything. Um, good friend of mine, Pat Jenkins, he got to go watch some of the, and he said that during the practices, what he has seen, he has not seen the hype or the level of play since those years. And he's been around the program and the teams for a long time. And just the athleticism, and you're talking about iron sharpening iron. These All these guys are practicing against each other, chomping at the bit to go play other teams. And that's the thing. It's either this team's going to – I have a feeling this team's going to shoot out like a cannon ready to play these other teams. And I know it's going to be an exhibition game, but I think tomorrow night's going to be a dunk fest. And then you're getting to go play Texas and – I guess you could say record book wise, meaningless game, but I guarantee you, Musselman's going to treat this like it was a Final Four game, and I think they're going to come out and they're going to surprise yeah. some people. I think they'll play a good twenty minutes worth of ball with the starters, and then kind of rest all your guys. I think Chris Beard's going to kind of do the same thing, kind of see what you got. That's just me, but I don't know. I don't know what's going uh, on there at Musselman's head. He even want to get the best out of his team. I don't think so. This that, is Arkansas, Texas, that, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is Arkansas, Texas. They ain't – no, 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 we, no, no. We talked about that last week. Yeah, we talked about that last, that, that last week. And, you know, as much bad blood, you don't want to go out and just lose in the uh, 
exhibition season and uh, against your most hated rival in in program history. Like, yeah, tomorrow and, night you're going to get. Is. Yeah, you're. It's going to be Arkansas could probably score. They could probably name their score and go get it. Like they could probably spot Roger State a good fifty points uh, for the first half and then go out there and 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 do their thing. Like that's the whole thing with Texas though. If you've got the Aurora, I think it could be a pretty good house full of people down there in Texas. Well, yeah, because they're going to be opening a new stadium. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're going to be opening their new arena. So the hype's there for them, too. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the thing. You know it's Texas. And here's the deal. This is another thing. This is what's going to happen to Arkansas this year. This is going to be one of them, another uncharted territories that Arkansas is facing now. They're going to be that target. They're going to be the hunter. You know, everybody's going to want to beat them. Everybody's going to want to, you know, give them their best game because this team has so much hype. Oh, well, this is the freshman of the year. This is the All-American. Hasn't even played a game yet, and he's an All-American. They're like, let me show him. That's what's going to happen, and they're going to get everybody. And that's the thing. This is going to be, I'm telling you what, this is going to be one of the most exciting exhibition games in a long time because – you know, you got Texas, like I said, and then you kind of drop off. You get a three, and this is another reason why I'm saying Roger State, you're going to get a mixture of playing everybody. Texas, I think it's going to be a full out. They're going to be playing the best they can because you got North Dakota State, Fordham, and South Dakota State to get ready for the Maui Invitational. So this team is so deep and talented. I think that you're going to have a lot of time before now in conference time to see which five mixes together. And I think Chuck was talking about earlier when it comes to, you know, not being so crazy about expectations of this team before conferences because we've seen with Muss. It it takes him a long time, and and everybody thinks just because this team's got a lot of talent, there's going to be more pressure. But you still got to figure out which five, as talented as they are, mesh together. So that that could be a bigger problem because you do have the talent. You're going to have 10 guys that want to play just as much as everybody else. So I I think this is going to be one of the best but most challenging years because I don't think Muslims ever had to deal with this much talent before. Never. I mean, you think about the NBA. Yeah, he was coach of the year. I think he had a – who was that one guy? Uh, Man, I can can, can only see his bald head. That's all I can remember. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) – yeah, Coach Musselman had uh, he won Coach of the Year at Golden State. He didn't have that much talent there, uh, uh, and then he went to Nevada and he kind of just kind of transformed the basketball program there to a legitimate top twenty-five program. And now he's never assembled such a great roster of of individual talent. And and I think it's going to be interesting because you you had the number two class coming in. And then Duke has the number one class coming in. I want to see what John Shire can do uh, as the new head coach at Duke. I've got a buddy of mine that comes in the store all the time, and we kind of chit-chat back, kind of give some, give each other some rubs about uh, how good each other's teams are going to be. I really think that, you know, if Arkansas can get to the Final Four, it could be a replay in the 94 National Championship game, uh, d- depending on if, if Coach K to John Shire has a clean uh, – a clean transition. I mean, how do you, you how do you feel those shoes? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the you, thing. <laughs> and we thought, yeah, we thought that uh, uh, the guy at North Carolina having to fill in Roy Williams shoes yeah. was have a rough time, and he won the national championship last mm-hmm. year. Was that year one or year two? Yep. Davis. 
Herbert Davis, so, yep. Yeah. So, it's going to be an interesting season. I think uh, Arkansas has probably, like, one of the top most talented teams. you got six guys that could possibly be playing in the NBA next year. I mean, you never had that much talent, honestly. You never have. And so, Eric Musselman has so much talent at his disposal that you, you just kind of – you're ner- I'm nervous about it, too, because, like, I would lay in bed uh, 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 awake at night thinking, what do I do with this guy at this certain situation? I, that's why he gets paid so many millions of dollars a year to do this thing and be successful. I just, yeah, that's the thing. You, Danielle talks about the pool house a lot. I'm just wondering. There's sometimes that he's sitting there wondering what to do. You just go go on out <laughs> to the pool house for a little bit until you can figure this out. Because you know, but I guess you know that's a great problem to have because we've seen what happens so many years with this team, man. And we just need one more piece. But exactly yeah. like what we've been talking about the last two years, we just need one more piece. We got four of them, you know, five of them, yeah. six of them. You know, uh, it, they have an unlimited amount of talent when it comes to this team. And man, if if by any chance we're able to get a ticket, that's another crazy thing. Good luck getting a ticket this year. You know, I'm going to try yeah. to go up and catch a game best I can. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be one of the hardest tickets. Exhibition game tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, it might be a sellout. <laughs> I don't, you don't, you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. it, it's going to be crazy to see like the turnout and, and and how crazy it is to how much these tickets are going to go for. Especially that Kentucky, there ain't no way you're getting into that game. I mean, that, it's just oh, no, no, <laughs> no way. I mean, they'll be selling. They'll be taking tickets at Herman's to go get a glimpse of uh, <laughs> Coach Cal <laughs> giving him crap. They go. <laughs> So uh, you're gonna have to put another section of seats, kind of like the uh, dome at Syracuse, yep. <laughs> just to get your uh, get fifty thousand people in them seats so you can watch a game. I mean, that may be the expansion. Forget about making Bud Walton to a multi-purpose arena. You're gonna have to build another level to contain the uh, excitement. Oh, I know of uh, fans. Like that's just that's what's crazy. Or. <laughs> Well, yeah, they were talking about the possibility of making more suites and less seats and stuff, yeah. and I think Alabama did that with their football stadium. But I'll tell you what, they, they might be rethinking that, you know, taking the draw, you know, this thing back to the drawing board yeah. and seeing what happens because, you know, if this team gets rolling, and especially after next year or after this year, they keep on getting the recruiting classes in and they still get these, they might want to rethink on how many people they, uh, yeah. how many seats they take away because, I mean, that's, in all reality, that's how why Bud Walton was even built in the first place because Bud Walton could get a seat in Bud uh, Barnhill. You know, no. <laughs> Frank Brules gave up his seat, and that's the legend of Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, like it was made like from, from the stories that I've heard. Uh, the the uh, the floor, the the court of the uh, floor was built first, and then they built around the floor. Yep. Like, because they wanted every, they wanted to make sure you had the best seat possible, and there's not a bad seat in both wall. I no. sat in the upper section, lower section. Uh, I've sat in the corner of the uh, lower bowl. There's not a bad seat in both wall in Reno, no. and and it's it like that's that's the beauty of of college basketball in, in Arkansas is because I don't think any other team besides maybe Kentucky, Syracuse. And and North Carolina can hold twenty twenty something thousand folks. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have to take a every look night, at every night. Every yeah. night. Oh well, North Carolina's got a big arena too. 
Um, But, I mean, now I guarantee it. Now they'll get in there. But you look at Duke. They'll never do anything to, you know, their their arena. I mean, that's just one of the most prestigious arenas in the country, Rupp Arena. You know, you Fog Allen. You look at these arenas, and I'll tell you what, even – is it Gallagher Iba? Is that the Oklahoma State one? Yeah, Gallagher Iba. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. those arenas that have that aura to them. I mean, and they have that. And I think Oklahoma State's one of the most underrated arenas because how it, they have the sta- the fans right there sitting on top of you. Um, I don't know if you've ever played much basketball up where I live, but Subiaco Academy, they had an arena like that where the bleachers were over you. And it just gave you this feel of the fans looking down on you. And it just, it had this crazy feel to it. It was like an older, old school where the floor was way down low and then there was a huge brick wall up both sides and then the bleachers were above you. It it was, it's one of the hardest gyms I've ever played in. Yeah, Junction City and and Huddig. I was a small school kid growing up in, in Union County, Arkansas. And there was this place in Junction City, it was called Dual State Tournament. So you got both of the best teams from Louisiana and Arkansas to come in. And I tell you what, that place was packed. I played in one Dual State Tournament. That was that was probably one of the craziest environments I've ever played a basketball game in. And it was a – you had seats all the way around you. And now they, they tore that down. I mean, yeah, I was obviously old. But uh, <laughs> yeah. they tore it down and made it a multipurpose gym. And, but there was – I always had memories of playing at, at Junction City, and then Huddig was the same way before they consolidated with Strong. Uh, uh, Huddig had a dome; it was really cool, a really cool arena to play in. Uh, and I remember getting beat thirty-one to zero <laughs> in junior high in that arena. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, but everybody now is going to the big arenas now. There. Yeah, but that was a cool. It, you could probably fit five or six thousand people. In, in the Huddings gym, and then probably Dang. maybe 10,000 people in, in Junction City. I mean, at Dual State, that place was the was the place to be. And I hate that it's torn down now, but that was a really cool place. That's crazy. Well, um, I guess uh, we're wrapping up on the show. But before we go, um, we're announced tomorrow we will have Coach Courtney Dyfel on the weekly women's sports report. She'll be joining us tomorrow at 6 p.m., where we're going to be doing episode three. Uh, big shout out to the fans. We've been doing really, really well on the views and the likes and the comments of of the show. It's been doing very well. Um, so very excited to talk to Coach Dyfel. But um, before we go, um, I really want to do a big shout out to Ozark and Elkins. I got to experience one of the coolest things ever. Um, you know, my son has autism, and he's been the equipment manager all year long for uh, Ozark. And his teammates went to the coach before the uh, beginning of the year and wanted him to be able to suit up and, and play in a game. And they were going to try to get it done, and they were kind of, you know, trying to see which game to do it. And Elkins was their last home game. And a former guest of the show, Drew Morgan, who, former Razorback, is one of the assistant coaches up there. And just the response um, allowing this to happen, um, I was a nervous wreck the whole game because I knew it was going to happen. But Elkins scored with like 15 seconds left and the clock's winding down. So I'm like, is this going to happen? Is this going to go? And But I'll tell you what, just the – 
amount of kids on Elkin's side that was cheering along with it, the fans. I mean, one of the greatest experiences of my son's life being a, he's been talking about it nonstop. So I just want to take this moment to really thank the school districts of Ozark, school districts of Elkins for, as a parent, um, you know, being able to experience this because we sometimes don't have that chance to get to enjoy those things that, you know, other kids would get to. So, so the ones that are out there that get to watch their kids every Friday night, every Thursday night, Monday night, Thursday night, playing basketball and football and their sports all the time. I mean, we really take those moments for granted because, you know, it might be the only time I ever get to see him put on that jersey and, you know, do that. So, again, thank you um, big time. I'm going to put it on social media, and I'll tell you what, it's blown up like a wildfire. So, everybody who's sent me messages, sent me DMs, just said what it mean to them because that's what it's about, you know, touching other people's lives and, and, and really touching those parents that have kids with special needs. I mean, it, that, that's what you, you see the Special Olympics banner that I, I, I hang in my, my office and, and the, the Special Olympics silver medal. You know, I, I take all that stuff seriously. So, again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much because that, that is a, a night I will n- never forget. Absolutely. I just do want to invite everybody uh, to like and subscribe to our show. Man, Porter, that is a heartwarming (laughs) story. And I don't, I'm, I'm lost and I'm teary eyed. I, uh, yeah, I can't, I I couldn't look in the camera. (laughs) I've never, I haven't known anybody to have like this opportunity and to know that your son was able to have this opportunity is quite special. Um, and it's, it's, it's cool because it kind of reminds me of the time that, uh, my little sister who has Down syndrome was voted on the, uh, homecoming court mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, man, she, it was really special being able to see that, um, and, and the whole school voted for, like that was, that was the cool thing. Her senior year was able to go out there and, and do that. And it made, it made news and stuff too. And, and people were just talking about it for weeks. And that's the cool thing is being able to see the love, uh, that is, that is shown to these kids that, that aren't like, that aren't given the attention that they absolutely deserve or, or the love they absolutely deserve. And, and being able to see this, the, the humbleness of, of the hearts of people, to go out there and say, this is what's going to happen tonight. And we're going to let it, we're going, we're going to make it happen. And, and being able, when you sent me that video, I didn't know what you were sending me, but then I heard, <laughs> uh, Gavin's name yep. over the PA announcer. And, and, and that was cool. Uh, I shout out to Elkins and, 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 uh, Ozark. And that was, that was awesome. You know, you see the videos of other kids, like the kid at Lake Hamilton, you know, you've seen the kids like the, yeah. In Pennsylvania, a long time ago, the kid had autism, and he was the equipment manager, and then scored 21 points. Ended up getting an ESPY award over it. But I'm telling you, when it when it's personal and you're there witnessing it, I mean, it it hits you. You know, there's so many emotions. You know, and you know, like I can't physically even look into the camera right now, knowing we're live because of how it gets me. I mean, that that's just one of them things that. No matter what, that's my trigger, that's my dude. And just giving him the biggest hug and just how he was 
so excited after the game. I mean, it's one of them things that, you know, you cherish as a parent and I'll never forget, man. Like I said, I just, I can't thank everybody enough. And I just, there was two kids in general. I can't even remember their names, but I mean, they were just, they were hopping right along with the Ozark team for Elkins and just patting him on the back. I mean, that's what the camaraderie when it comes to sportsmanship. And that, I think that's the biggest thing that I take away from it is, as, as much as the Ozark fans was into it, I mean, the Elkins fan base, the players and coaches were just as ecstatic. I even had the, one of the refs that was refing the game sit there and say that, you know, that was the only time he's ever had to call play with tears rolling down his face, you know. And, you know, Drew Morgan was like, hey, man, I had a tear in my – you know, the people who got – that knew nothing about the story, knew nothing about him – got moved by it. So, I mean, that's the thing that yeah. I really will always take away from it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> We're having the yeah. show. Right <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> make, make sure you go and like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and uh, YouTube and and uh, several other places. You can catch us on 103, or 106.7, the uh, buzz, each Monday morning. Uh, just – Thank you all fans for uh, being with us since day one. And uh, let's call those hogs this weekend victory. That's right. And that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, catch us tomorrow night on the weekly women's sports report as we have the softball coach, Courtney Dyfel. That will do it. Catch you tomorrow.